Happy Wednesday! I'm excited about this episode from last night uh, because my brother and Stephanie's husband came to join us and we had a really good discussion about whether, whether there's objective truth and whether you can prove anything, including the fact that we're sitting here right now or you're listening to this right now. Can you really prove it? We discuss. Okay, I hope you guys enjoy and have a great week. Hello everyone, welcome back to the stream. We have a really exciting group today. I'm uh, looking forward to this. We're gonna hopefully end up throwing pots and pans and things. No, I'm kidding. Um, but today we have back me, of course, because I organized this shindig and then Manly and Stephanie, who you should know by now. Um, and then we also have uh, Stephanie's husband, Jacob, is joining us, who has been in the chat for a lot of these and throwing in some good and tough hard-hitting questions. So now we got him on the hook live to sort of parse out some of those ideas. And then my brother Aaron, who some of you may or may not know, and he, we're all gonna just kind of dive into, I think we all are coming from sort of differing perspectives. So we're gonna dive into um, what we think about whether you can actually get answers to the large questions of life, namely religion and things of that nature. So I think it's going to be fun. Um, I want to give Aaron and Jacob just a chance to give a little bit of an intro for themselves. And uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, Aaron, start with you. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm Emily's brother. And my big claim to fame is I have ADHD, so I want to do all the things. And I have two little girls, uh, four and two. Wait, you had to give us a general sense of like your background, oh. your religious, either where oh, you okay. came from or like where you're at right now, just so we All have right. a baseline. Yeah, so I uh, grew up Seventh-day Adventist. Um, I've worked for uh, mega churches for most of my career. Um, my background's in live event production and video uh, streaming. So I've had a chance to see uh, kind of the corporate side of religion in a lot of different flavors. And um, as far as my own personal life, I've always... Um, I've always been looking, trying to get to know, um, are there any deeper truths to, to be found? And um, I definitely appreciate a lot about the culture I grew up in. Um, I still consider myself very spiritual. Uh, whether or not there's any way to definitively know that there's anything, um, I think that's the big question that we're all here to kind of talk about. And I kind of feel like I'm not really sure that getting the answer to that question is really going to solve everything. So <laughs> we'll see when we dive into it. Okay. Well, uh, my name is Jacob. Um, my background is in, I grew up uh, religious. My parents, I went to Catholic school for five years. And then when we moved from Florida, we went to, uh, I went to public school for a little while and then into like a Protestant school uh, for about a year and then back to public school. Um, so I've got a little bit of a religious education, so to speak, uh, and my current position is, uh, agnostic atheist, um, which, I mean, I'm always open to evidence should it present itself, but, um, I'm definitely leaving on the side of God doesn't really exist. So that'll be the perspective I'll be arguing. And as far as like, uh, I guess, what objective, like, can we know truth or things like that? It's like, 
I would argue that we wouldn't be able to know these things. So that's where I'm coming from. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty good intro because I put that actually as the first question in our sort of notes here because I think all of us are coming from the perspective of like um well, except for maybe Manly. We all know each other from the personality group, which kind of talks about how our brains work. And uh, all of us except Manly are coming from like an uh, ambiguous, intuitive perspective where it's like, uh, can you really prove anything for sure? Can you prove it? And then when somebody does give you the proof, it's like, okay, yeah, but you could understand it in a different way that is no longer provable. Uh, that's my problem. And probably several other of you have that perspective as well. So I guess the first thing I want to just sort of dive into is what does it mean to you <clears throat> to prove something and and is it possible? At work, um, okay, let's take out something like can you prove that you went to the mailbox today? I'm sure we could find a rabbit hole in which you could not prove that. However, for the purposes of this discussion, um, can you prove the ideas uh, are revolving around religion and sort of the way that humans build their philosophies and their worldviews. And if you and, and if you can or cannot, just say a little bit of like how you orient yourself to those ideas. Well, can feel. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess. Okay. Uh, oh, good. Okay. Stephanie. Oh, okay. I was like, well, all right. Uh, so I think that we can understand facets of truth. And I guess it's kind of like how do we define truth? I guess truth should just be like what's real, even if we never know about it. So, but you would think if something's real, then things around it will kind of make space for it, I guess. So like if it rained and you see that it's wet outside, it's like, well, I don't know that many things that make things wet other than water coming from the sky. And I've seen it before, so you can extrapolate that. So I guess when I look for truth, I look for things that help things work, I guess, because if it didn't, it wouldn't be sustainable and it probably wouldn't exist anymore. So yeah, it's like, I guess you can kind of tell when things seem to be like dying versus thriving. And I try to seek what leads to thriving. And I think that is what is more truthful because it can last. Nice. I like that. I like the rain analogy um, too, because I think that there, there is a point at which it's possible to like gaslight yourself out of stuff that's very obvious, you know? Like um, I, I remember listening to a conversation. I can't remember. I think it might've been Jordan Peterson and some other guy who were talking about the possibility of God's existence and and Jordan Peterson was like well at the end of the day like you could look out at the rain on the field and be like how do I even know that that happened <laughs> and the guy was like okay theoretically yes you could argue that but then also if you look out and it rained and the plants grow like you pretty much have to accept that it rained because if you don't then you're just asking to be a crazy person <laughs> Yeah, so my thoughts on it are, uh, like, I guess proof to me is a, uh, so, I mean, we can only interact with the world based on, like, our senses, right? So everything's subjective in some sort of sense, but uh, we can kind of, we have the ability to communicate, and what that allows is for us to come to, like, some sort of collective agreement on something that, like, occurred. 
so we can communicate with each other and you can have seven or eight people like agree that the ground is wet and it probably rained. Um, so uh, I guess that's kind of my position on like evidence. It's like the like uh, collective subjective like perceptions. Okay. That makes sense. So what, what do you do when you either go against the collective yourself? Like you're very seem, you feel certain that the collective is wrong or what do you do when you can't come to a consensus? Right. So as far as like, are we talking about like in the event, like in a, like an event occurred and I think something different happened than everyone else or. Um, I this... think you could go that way for simplicity, but I think we're framing the conversation in the context of religion. So you could just right. go straight there and be like, you know. So my, so I guess my issue with the like religious uh, perspective of it is um, religion at the end of the day, most of them came from like a singular prophet, be it Muhammad, Jesus, or something. And that's from that individual's like, uh, like revelation and their perception of things and people believing them, right? It seems like they all come down to like, at some point, even you could even go back to like Abraham or something uh, to like one source. And it's like, how do you compare one person's like, basically we're just arguing over which one we believe. Okay. Yeah, so. that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'll give, I want you guys, everyone else to have a chance to jump into, but this is just what came to my mind is like, <clears throat> do you think that it's possible to like, quote unquote, prove things in the abstract? Like maybe you're not like literally proving it, but you're, you're phys uh, philosophically getting down to the core of something where logically you have to kind of conclude that it's true. Uh, sometimes. Okay. Oh, are you still talking? I lost your audio. Did you guys lose his audio? Oh, yeah. Hello? Hold on. Let me see what happened. You there? Maybe if, um, if you have headphones, you might try that. But, um... While Jacob troubleshoots, Aaron or Manly, do you guys have a a thought on <laughs> our ability to prove things? Oh, Manly, you're muted. We're Sorry, just having guys. all the fun tech problems. Sorry, guys, we're struggling. Yeah, so um, I think there are a lot of different ways to perceive evidence. Um, for me, the two main methods that I use to determine uh, truth um, or proofs would be either empirical or logical proofs. Um, obviously, empirical are the ones that most people are like, oh, yeah, I can't deny that something's right in front of your face. Um, but even a lot of people would like we make a lot of uh, logical jumps based on empirical evidence um, when it comes to like astrophysics, for example. There's a lot of things that we can't see uh, with our naked eye that we assume or infer based on a lot of physical or empirical evidence. Um, but if you looked at what their proofs would be to say like, yeah, this definitely exists, it would seem more logical, um, seem more like a logical proof by nature. Like, eh, you're at least from my perspective, like I think a lot of people, a lot more people are jumping when they make broad claims than most mm -hmm. people want to admit. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but um, for me, I do believe in the abstract. I believe there's a metaphysical nature to existence. Um, I think that um, everything is on a spectrum from maybe more physical to more metaphysical um, and metaphysical being the stuff that is a lot harder to uh, measure, uh, empirically speaking. Um, we can't use our five senses to easily find it. But when I think about things like that, I also think about like um, how throughout history, there's, um, there's a lot of things that we've discovered now that technically we can see using technology or a developed consciousness that people back in the day, they wouldn't understand in the here and now. Yeah. Um, atoms, particles, I think um, animistic uh, religions in ancient history would say like, oh, stuff is alive. Which... Wi-Fi, for example. Yeah, Wi-Fi. <laughs> Wi-Fi well, is very metaphysical, don't you know? It is very physical. I mean, it kind of is, honestly. Um, or like the fact How that we can... actually work? I mean, we're talking to people. I'm looking at you guys' faces right now, and you're all pretty far away from me on a screen. I mean, if you told... If you it's went true. back in history 200 years and told someone this would exist, they'd be like, "You're that doesn't yeah, exist. You'd probably true. have some empiricist tell you that you're freaking crazy, to be honest. <laughs> When we were kids, we used to listen to these, like, Bible stories slash, like, true-to-life missionary stories, and there was one where it was, like, they were taking the radio to, like, tribal nations, and they were warning them, like, there's spirits in this box. Don't listen to that. Oh, you know, it's gosh. kind of that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of my perspective. I think humans evolve over time. Um, I think we learn. I think we develop consciously, and we also develop technologically speaking. I think we'll discover more. Um, and I think we, even though we're very developed, um, I would say as a species, there's probably a lot more to come and there's a lot that we don't know. Um, so I try to keep an open perspective, even though it's hard for me to do sometimes. Nice. Am I back by the way? Yes, we can hear you. Hooray. Okay. Yay. We can't see you though, but that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I have these horrible headphones on, but, uh, oh. yeah, that's fine. Okay. Nice. Yeah. We can see you now. Yeah. Cool. You look like you just come from the cockpit. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Aaron, do you have thoughts on provability? And then after that, we'll go to some of these uh, comments in the chat. Mm. So uh, for me, it's like, I, I feel like I could chase my tail at, uh, asking the, uh, like, does God exist? What is God? Those kinds of questions. Um, like, can you prove it or not? It's sort of like, okay, so what if you can? What if you can or what if you can't? What is it going to change? And for me, it just kind of boils down to like, well, I'm still, like, it's still sort of like unattainable whether or not God is, like, like Jordan Peterson likes to talk about god or or spirituality or like christ is sort of like this uh, metaphorical like summation of all of the values that we've stacked and kind of filtered through history and time and so you know to me it's sort of like asking like okay does it matter whether god is like a being that interacts or it's just us finding the pattern of in all of the random data, it's like, here's what we have decided and retroactively works for us the best and try to strive for that. Um, like, 
in either of those cases, no one person is going to ever be able to get close to what we ascribe at, to as God or whatever religion tends to try to codify. And so in terms of like, what does it mean for me, whether you can prove it or not, it, for me, it just sort of boils down to like, do I feel like it's worth trying to make myself a little bit better using a particular value system that I have seen in my own life tends to produce better results? Like, because if you spend time trying to answer that question, it may never be answerable. And then what do you do? And even if you can't answer it, then you have the next question is like, so what do I do? If God is real, I can't, you know, I can't do everything that God can do as one person. So then what's, what is the point? Like, how do I relate to something? That well, to avoid hellfire, of course. <laughs> No, I get what you're saying. So anyway, that yeah, that's kind of where I'm at is sort of like, I, and, and this is, I think, this is where a lot of people kind of, I think in philosophical discussions get frustrated with me is like, I, I have a hard time answering questions that people have because for me, I like, I see the ramifications of what happens when you ask or answer something and it has this huge ripple effect uh, at multiple levels. So it's hard for me to like zero in and pinpoint something. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> it's like anytime somebody asks Jordan Peterson a question, he's like, well, what do you mean by this question? Right. <laughs> you know, it's that kind well, of thing. Well, it depends where... on what you mean by whatever yeah. your term is. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So if you want to, if you want to define God for the purpose of like an argument, like the way Stephanie said it is like, if there is some sort of objective truth, that the closer you get to that truth, the better things are for whatever is working within that system. Like if you if you go based on that premise, then then I think yeah, you can you can have some assurance of there being something in in the way that you can kind of qualitatively gather data. But to me it's sort of like at some point as the individual, you have to kind of just get close enough to say, all right, do I want to just like check this off my list and say, I think it's better to do this with something than not, and then move on and live your life under that yeah. umbrella. Otherwise, like, um, it's one of those things I'm not, I'm not very well educated in Judaism, but it seems to me like I've, I've heard the meme expressed several times that like, Judaism is a religion of asking questions and the purpose of like of getting to know God is asking a question until you feel like God reveals the answer and then that that leaves you with more questions the purpose isn't to get the answer the purpose is to like ask better questions through the development of one's life yeah right I think that there's a lot of um a lot of hand hand wringing within Christianity and within quote unquote the church these days about too many questions being asked. But I think that is a real hazard that we've um, neglected over the last hundred 
or more years is like people not asking enough questions. Of course, I would say that. But okay, great intro from everybody. I want to go to a couple of comments here. Ian, who is another friend of ours, says, if objective personality teaches us anything, everyone does everything. If we're made in God's image, what's his introverted thinking? So basically, I think Ian is asking, like, if if we're made after God, um, what is his, I guess, logic? Um, Ian, maybe you could rephrase that for people who don't know objective personality. But it's a good question. I mean, like, just generalizing it a little bit, like, if even if you could decide or accept, like, all right, God exists. Beyond that, kind of to what Aaron was saying, like, what do you do with that? What can you know about God, really? We've demonstrated throughout time that if there is a God, he's not doing a lot to, like, concretely reveal himself to us. So if he does exist, can we, what can we actually know about him? What can we know about why we're here? What can we know about why the things that we go through on this earth and why that happens and all of that kind of stuff? Um, Ben says, uh, one of the places I started were observable and testable things in reality. Um, yeah, I think, Manly, maybe you could talk a little bit about sort of your detour out out and back into religion and in your study of, like, trying to demonstrate the prominence, I guess, of the scriptures. Is that what you did? Yeah, it was a combination of things that happened. Um, I decided I wanted to develop a more logical uh, understanding of whatever I believed and have some real evidence for it. Um, And for me, I don't like, I don't necessarily have to see something right in front of my face to believe it exists. I think that's kind of irrational, but um, I did want to have legitimate arguments and not just be some person that's running around just saying things because I grew up saying them. Yeah. Um, I started looking into like statistical probability and um, there are some interesting logical proofs Um, for the idea of an intelligent designer or the idea of a sentience that has existed in nature from the beginning, quote unquote. Um, And I fell into some interesting philosophies like, um, what's this guy's name? I think think his name was Alfred Whitehead. I can't remember for sure, but um, process philosophy, it says like uh, physical and metaphysical reality like go hand in hand. And the idea of it is that the mental aspect of what we call consciousness has always existed. Um, and it looked more uh, fundamental or ele- elementary um, at one point in time, which some people might say is God at the source of all things, fundamental source of energy that has a sentient uh, variable um, that uh, works in a certain direction and ultimately extrapolated becomes um what we see in ourselves. Um, but I think I, a lot of it was logical proofs. Um, if someone was like, Hey, Manly, what's the, what's the empirical evidence for God? Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like I can empirically prove God. I think that's, yeah. I, think, I don't think that would make sense. Hmm. So basically what you're saying is you're on our side. Nothing is provable. No, I'm just kidding. Not nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, my mom says, millennials discussing religion, what? Hi, mom, thanks for coming. Um, (laughs) Ben says, do people in this group believe there is such a thing as something that is real or true? Like, do you all share the belief that there is a singularity of reality? 
that we are all trying to find right now, not religion, not perspective or personal experience, but objective reality, like regardless of where you were born, the time before and after your personal experience are just as real as you now. So what do you guys think? Do you uh, agree or do you believe in objective reality? We talked a little bit about this um, in the past, but we can sort of dive into it a little bit more. Well, I have a story I can share on this. Okay, um, go for it. So I, I just recently um, was hired at a mega church right, like for a great job. Um, was like exactly what I was built for. I had, had lots of experience. It was a good team. Um, like it was the first time that we had, my wife and I both had salary jobs. We had just gotten our own place after we moved to Texas. Like everything um on paper from a qualitative like evidence-based standpoint the objective reality was like this is a great uh place to be the problem is like i had like severe mood swings and depression that i i could not figure out what it was stemming from like i would go to work and i would be in tears in the bathroom um, because i i couldn't understand like I, the things of where my life have landed are so good. Why do I feel so awful? To me, it seems to me that all of the observable things that everybody else can measure showed me that what I was experiencing on a feelings level didn't line up with what everybody else was experiencing. And so, like, there may still be some sort of objective, like, chemical, you know, you know, undiagnosed, like, mental triggers. I, I don't understand a lot about, like, the biology of the human system, but, like, what was clear to me was that by measurable standards, I was in a very good space, and yet I, my body was acting like it was being tortured all the time it's like that that doesn't make a lot of sense and so for me i feel like there is some sort of objective reality and, and we kind of need that in order for us to work collaboratively and survive together like the larger tribe if there is no objective reality then it like it makes everybody it pits everyone against everybody else and it's yeah. just the wild west yeah, it becomes like extremely isolated. Wins. Yeah, yeah, right. Or just whoever has the most power <laughs> wins, basically. Um, if you can't come to an agreement, whether it, whether or not it's literally objectively true or objectively real, to Jacob's point earlier, if you can't come to a consensus around it, like you're as a group, you're gonna be screwed. Even if like it goes both ways. If there isn't objective reality, but you can come to a consensus, you can work together. If there is, but you can't come to consensus, like you, you're not gonna be able to work together. Um, anybody else have anything to add on their belief in objective reality? Yeah, I wanted to say that I resonate a lot with your example, Erin. I had a similar experience, um, but it's not fair to compare because it's also a completely different experience, but like, uh, just like feeling like everything's perfect and yet having a breakdown anyway. Uh, and that's actually why I wanted to become a counselor because I saw a lot of people going through stuff like that. It's like we have social understandings of what it means to be in a good place or what health looks like. 
And then our bodies give us different information than that. And I was like, well, this isn't magic. Like there is some truth here. So it's kind of like looking at like, okay, well, we do know that certain hormones are like more in your body at this time than other times. So it's like, okay, how can, what can we extrapolate with that? Where are those hormones going? Like what areas of the brain is it activating? And then you kind of get into like subconscious stuff, like what kind of schemas are you seeing? So it's like, that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in searching for. So I guess I have this avid belief that there, there are answers and that's why I'm in this field. And it's not necessarily that I'm like, like I'm going to find the ultimate truth necessarily, but I can find all these paths and all these like clues that can help people through stuff like that and still feel valid for it. Even if there's no like societal, like understanding of it, there's like, I don't know, there are other places to look, I guess. And that's what's exciting to me about it. I love that. Yeah. Cause I think that it, okay. Um, this is me again, uh, hedging my ideas, but even if there is some kind of objective reality, I think oftentimes we don't perceive it in its fullness. And so when things like what Aaron described or what Stephanie described um, happen, it gets very confusing. And I think that it's very easy, even if you say you believe in objective truth or objective reality, it's very easy to not live that way or to live as if uh, to to allow yourself to turn off uh, your observations to the world because it's too painful to even try to look for that reality. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that's something that is difficult to grapple with uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I have a thought there. I think that uh, I think there's definitely objective truth, and I think there's absolute truth, and I think that that could be argued empirically pretty easily. Um, I don't. I think. I think if you take a pretty plain look at society and how society works and how people work and um, what quote unquote works to produce good results, which I think it'd be pretty easy to get people to agree on what good results are in society. I think you can see a common theme across nature, across societies, even older societies or societies that are maybe less developed. You can see a pattern where, um, they get better results in terms of less war, less violence, less sickness, uh, more happiness, wherever that can be measured based on certain rules that are being followed. And I think those rules are natural law based. Um, and I think that's pretty easy to argue, honestly. Um, I think absolute truth would be uh, tied into that. Um, I think there are aspects of absolute truth that are um, abstract, that are harder to empirically prove. But I think that um, empirical evidence can point to those absolute truths that are more transcendental, transcendental by nature. Yeah, I definitely agree with the idea that there are just patterns that you can see of like uh, tr negative trajectory behaviors, collective behaviors, and positive trajectory collective behaviors, and like what you do with that information is a little bit harder uh but i do think that it's possible to see those yeah i don't want to spin off too much but there are people i used to argue with people all the time about this and people would be like well manly what if like society just decided that murdering people isn't like like what if you just decided that murdering is a bad thing and like it's not actually a bad thing to me like asking questions like that is kind of stupid like murder <laughs> is obviously bad <laughs> if you're killing people then other people want to kill you and like 
there's a there's a negative yeah. pattern that takes place. Okay, but here is a question. I mean, like, if what you're if, talking, what if that's wrong? Like, what if you kill somebody and they go somewhere that's so much better, nobody ever wants to come back? They're released from the matrix, that, you know? Yeah, it's like. <laughs> right it's like it's like the prisoners or the the inmates in the insane asylum like trying to keep someone from escaping out of the insane asylum right you could look at it that way like don't do that and they're like no let me be free so like kill everyone to help them have a better life like afterlife that's what what ai is gonna do it's just gonna be oh y'all would be better off dead and then i'll just i'll just anesthetize all of y'all <laughs> That's a fair I'll point. Just, I'll, I'll take I'll take the bullet on that one. You guys have to make that decision. <laughs> nice. That's a good argument. Okay, anybody can feel free to jump in at any time, but I want to read uh, what Ian said here. Romans one verse twenty says, "For his invisible qualities are clearly seen from the world's creation onward." Because they are perceived by the things made, even his eternal power and godship, so that they are inexcusable. Um, yeah, that is that is a, a, an argument that, uh, I mean, if you want to go all the way down to like origins, um, I think that once you take the premise that we were created by some outside force or the universe was created by outsource, some outside force, <clears throat> you can follow this all the way down logically. Like it does become like self-evident. <laughs> but the question is many people get to origins and they can't square that circle. Um, and, I, and I think that that's a, that's a, for me, for me personally, because I do believe in God and I do believe that, uh, we were created out of some divine power. The universe was created out of some divine power. I think that's the only or the most reasonable explanation for why we're here. But beyond that, it gets a little hairy, you know? Okay, I wanted to, um, not to put you on the spot, Jacob, but I wanted to circle back to some of the stuff you were talking about last week um, of of like we were talking about morality in different cultures and things like that and i think if i understand stood you correctly i think you're you were trying to argue that there's not a hierarchy in culture like there aren't necessarily better or worse cultures uh, or belief systems uh right. can you expand on that a little bit yeah so i did some thinking on this uh and i did a bit of uh a little bit of research into like cultural relativism and uh, ethnocentrism. And I think the issues that I was having was I have a very strong dislike of ethnocentrism. Uh, and that kind of forced me to the side of the uh, uh, cultural uh, relativism. Yeah. So uh, I do think that one side or the other side isn't necessarily bad. Uh, or I don't think like basically I think the extremes are wrong um and I would be a proponent of maybe coming to some sort of like uh I, I would I'd be a proponent of cultural relativism with a caveat to like human rights and coming up with some sort of collective human right like 
and whatever those parameters may be. Uh, okay. And then cultures are not better than another uh, so long as they aren't violating any like natural law, so to speak, uh, human rights. Okay. I think that position, the way you're presenting it makes sense. <clears throat> so I would say like, then it becomes a little bit dicey when you try to parse, because oftentimes what we call, for example, Western or Judeo-Christian culture um, includes many of the human rights that we've come to consensus on in modern society, but it also includes a lot of racial baggage, you know, it, it includes, um, that the concept of ethnocentrism and how, uh, <clears throat> because that worldview or that belief system or those values have come to the modern world through what is now uh, classified as like a Western or Anglo race, um, you know, it becomes a little bit it's murky as how to how you like separate which parts are which. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes. Um, one thing I would like to add is, uh, I don't, I guess I don't necessarily agree with the, uh, premise that, like, um, the Judeo-Christian values are, like, I guess the source of, like, our culture that has, like, done really well. Um, I do think I guess, sorry, speaking's difficult. Uh, yeah, so, I, I, so I think there's a general like human um, aspect to it. Like I would agree with Manley's idea of natural law. I don't necessarily think that's derived from a singular religion because a lot of our like ideas and cultures can be seen throughout like Buddhism and things like that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I guess I would also like to point out like the caveat with other religions is uh, Christianity benefits from not necessarily having any theocracies left um, to like kind of push the negative aspects of its culture onto the people. And so, okay, that, that might be a bit of a tangent, but I think they're a little further down yeah. the line compared to like Islam, because I guess I'm expecting that uh, Islam would be a counter argument to that with like some human rights issues and things like that. And like some of the countries but yeah. yeah yeah i see what you're saying so <clears throat> i guess then my uh question would pivot to like all right let's take out the sort of existing landscape of different uh cultures and belief systems if mm -hmm. we could say for example one of the values that we would likely come to consensus on is what manly pointed out earlier of like don't kill people right how would absent you know, any culture or religion that has held that value, how would you just out of pure observation come to that as a consensus? Um, I, I guess I would, oh God, you're, you're asking the masculine aside, like, I gotta <laughs> yeah, pull the sensory, yeah, I gotta sure. push on it, you know? Um, <clears throat> so I guess I would just say that it doesn't work, uh, for like civilization, for humanity, for like, whatever our, like, just, like, it doesn't, it doesn't benefit our individual survivals, right? It goes against it, so. Okay, it's, yeah, it's like I'll, accept, I'll accept that answer, like, it, it makes sense to me. You could, you could continue to, like, um, 
try to pick it all apart but i think like, generally speaking we we can all get on board with like don't kill people yeah like why don't ants kill each other in their colonies right it's like wait aren't me. ants cannibalistic uh are they fully i mean oh, I humans know. are yeah. cannibalistic to an extent too the dominant party they're not necessarily <laughs> well there, there's some tribes and things like that that developed and are prolific over the years but <clears throat> Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So we're like a we're like on a soft a soft hesitant agreement right there, right? I would say. Oh, where's the disagreement? Um <clears throat> I think if uh, personally if I was going to go like all the way to the ground with it, I would probably say it's not possible to conclude that killing is wrong without a, a <clears throat> creator without a creator who who gave all uh, all humanity an inherent equal value right so, i would say oh go ahead uh, sorry yeah i don't mean to interrupt but i guess i would challenge like the right versus wrong versus or like wrong is different from like ne necessitate survival like or beneficial to survival um, oh sure okay so, so you're i'm not just... necessarily making that uh Assessment. Yeah, but okay, right. Okay, I see what you're saying. But then I would pivot to like, it's wrong to the extent that you exterminate the population. However, if you hold power and you're killing people from your uh to to like take the Spartans for example to streamline and uh, enhance your population by taking out the weak, <clears throat> you wouldn't necessarily cause a detrimental effect on the the group would you agree with that um not necessarily i mean the spartans haven't survived in longevity or their like system wasn't that long so uh there had to be some sort of issue with it whether it they bit off more they can chew with who they were fighting or there was some sort of like unsustainability there so okay <clears throat> yeah so then, um so then what do you how do you like balance that with say um like indigenous tribes that are still around that are incredibly hostile to any outsiders but like they've survived into modernity still living the way that they live and we basically just leave them alone like so has there is their society more stable than say the spartans um i mean perhaps uh i guess we're wandering in since so as far as like the tribes being around uh part of it has to do with their i mean inability to try to like conquer or their lack of desire to or their like lack of pushing against their surroundings right they're kind of content to stay on their islands and not really mess with people or stay in their little small areas right so i think i don't know i guess it, it would be I, I guess that's kind of the difference between spartans right they wanted to go out and conquer and kill people which was the lack of longevity compared to uh like the tribes and i think their culture is probably working and it's probably fine i wonder if this also these examples like attest to the idea that uh, that things are just functional within a context. 
So it's like maybe something isn't always bad or always good, but if there's a context for it, it can survive. And maybe depending on how niche the context is, the more unsustainable it is. So like if they're like uh, super hostile people in the middle of nowhere, that's a pretty niche convenient situation for them. Because if they were threatening somebody like else who is stronger than them, they'd be gone by now. So it seems to be kind of they're at the mercy of what the challengers, I guess. Yeah, to me, I mean, when I think about examples like what Aaron brought up with these indigenous tribes that are allegedly violent first, I think maybe they're less violent within themselves. So technically they might be following a rule of like less violence. Sound, it seems more like if you look at the videos or like, or read the stories about like where uh, journalists went there and like tried to say hi and then they just got speared to death because these people were like, yo, get the F out of our tribe. Like we're trying to have our own alone time. Right. Um, I mean, Hostile to outsiders yeah. is what you're saying. So yeah, exactly. It's survivorship bias in journalism. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how many times they told him, get out of here. <laughs> like, yeah. the 300th time, it's like, let's just kill them. They're not getting it. Plus, and, if you... Go ahead, Jacob. Oh, I was going to say, and to be fair to the tribe, the first contact we made with them, uh, we took two of their children and uh, <laughs> uh, and one person. And the person ended up dead, and then we dropped the children off, and we don't know what happened to them. Oh, no. so, wow, I'd be scaring people. So that was our first interaction with them in like the 1890s. So, and then yeah. ever since then, they were pretty violent to us. M mythologized. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'd be scaring those people. Okay. Too, but... <laughs> um. Can, what about? Could you carry it over? Uh, do you draw a distinction between? Um, humanity in the animal kingdom for example uh where it's very clearly like um there's no there's no benefit or morality placed on killing in the animal kingdom are animals subject to any type of moral standard um so we don't so I, most animals killing other animals like the vast majority of the time it's another kind of animal which we also do uh excessively irreverent of like whatever it is that like we believe for them so um there's that and they often don't kill themselves unless there's like some territorial disputes which we also do um so i think there's definitely some intellectual differences and things like that between humans and animals but i think the separation is a lot smaller than we like to think okay that makes sense all right unless you're one of the species that like kills your mate when you're done <laughs> i mean um, we do that too like there's a lot of people that do you hear about all of the like family side right yeah it's true like, although you know like we can so, place a place a sort of um moral judgment on that we do and we're not as consistent but you know yeah. i think it happens more than elephants we do it more than elephants do so like... <laughs> yeah. okay valid we'll stop piling on on jacob for now but we might come back to it. <laughs> Rose says, sometimes I feel like belief is what helps us get through things when things in reality aren't great. And sometimes our beliefs or worldviews need to update to help, religious beliefs or not. So maybe it's not about what you believe and proving that, but what results your beliefs create. <clears throat> I do think that's a good point. I think that's part of why I wanted to do this, um, because having grown up, deeply embedded in religion, I, I often see that the results that the belief system creates are like 
not the best results, you know? Um, and so I want, I, I want to be able to point that out when I see it without people, um, having a visceral reaction to like, oh no, don't challenge my belief system. Um, because I do think that it's important. I do think it's important for the fatigue of your mind on a daily basis to be able to have a rubric that in which to live your life so that you're not always constantly having to reassess, um, things on a case-by-case basis, but I also believe that it's important to make sure as you go along, your belief system is like at least slightly aligning with the results that you're getting in reality. Um, And a lot of times it's, it's very easy for people to live in a sort of an internal inconsistency or an internal contradiction without admitting it or without allowing themselves to look at it. Uh, What do you guys think about that? What's the question? Uh, do you think that there's anything to be said for what you believe being less important than the results that your beliefs create? No, I disagree. Okay, lay it on us. I think that, uh, at least for my philosophy, I think that whatever the objective truth is, that objective truth is going to lend a better life to you. So. Um, technically speaking, I think if you're creating better results because of your belief system, obviously, like it could be argued what better results are. Like if you're a crazy person, then better results might be kind of weird, you know, but, um, in general, if you're like a healthy person and most people would agree that, Hey, this person is having very good results in their life. I would argue like, Hey, we need to start looking at what this person's belief systems are because there's a good chance that there's a lot of objective truth and absolute truth to what they believe. And I have found that to be a true a lot of the time when someone has, has like a really arguably good life or really good nature um, or very emotionally healthy. When I talk to them about their philosophy, it's like, that is an extremely healthy philosophy. And I think most people would benefit from that. And I also think that that's probably an objectively true philosophy in alignment with natural law. And that's probably why you are having such great results with it. So kind of what you're saying, if I can rephrase, is that... Um, this might be a good idea in concept, but the reality is that your beliefs, uh, people's beliefs often create predictable results. Yeah. Um, I think humans are also kind of dumb a lot of the time. So like we don't necessarily follow our beliefs perfectly or we might grow up and like, just like we freaking just utter random crap that we were spoken to growing up. So a lot of people, I think, don't actually even believe what they think they believe, to be honest. Like yeah. most, a lot of Christians, if I talk to them about like, hey, what do they believe about God? Oh, you believe God is all good and like God would never steal, kill or destroy because that's what the Bible says Satan does. But you also believe like you should like you instantly murder someone if they like did something not so great or something that bothered you or like, hey, if this person like or like a lot of Christians, you know, like they're pro death penalty. For me, I think that's real dumb. Um, I think that doesn't really make sense, you know. No one um, can leave the asylum, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you're staying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. Um, Rose, feel free to respond if you want to like punch back. Yeah. At Manly. <laughs> Slam me. Tell me how dumb I am. I love that. Um. Okay. If anybody wants to jump in, go for it. As always, Ben says. Uh, can anything that happened before your, uh, 
can anything that happened before your existence, like history, the past, all of it, because you weren't there to experience it, was it real or did it even happen? So basically, uh, you're asking, uh, is am I not the god king of the universe? And I say no. Right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Nothing ever happened before I existed. That's right. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there, so you can't prove it. No, um, you can't prove that any, like... I think some can't even prove that me. this is happening right now. So, yeah. haha. No, I'm kidding. And then he said, second question. <clears throat> when observing, sorry, let me clear my throat. When observing things happening upon arriving to a norm or average, does an exception outlier negate the entire pattern? Um, let me see if I understand this question. Ben, your friggin' writing styles. Hardcore, man. <laughs> I'm struggling, bro. Like... Well, we usually hear his talking style, too. Um, when observing things... Uh, okay, so if you're saying... If you see a pattern that's a norm, if something happens outside, does it negate the pattern? Well, I mean... Uh, it depends on how far outside. Um, I mean, there are definitely instances that can negate a pattern, but there are also instances that wouldn't necessarily... Um, like if you just i don't know if you bring up i don't know like if you bring up iq if someone's iq is like 240 like that doesn't negate iq uh the outlier doesn't in that case but if you're trying to say the pattern like oh all pandas are purple and you find a not purple panda well then your your outlier kind of ruined your pattern so i think it just depends on the claim yeah the nature um, of it Okay. Uh, so, oh, Ben's, Ben's questions here. Um, I think the first one is sort of like just the the general theme of this conversation. It's I mean, it's like Plato, Descartes have the same fundamental like. Okay, we're asking these things about what we can observe, but like, how do you know whether any of it is outside of my own perception? And I mean, I think that's where you get stuck is like if you're gonna ask at that level like is there anything outside of like what i'm able to experience i don't know that anybody can ever prove that like how do we how do we know like all of you aren't just some hallucination it's just you know ai is yeah. already taken over and it's just feeding us all what we need to see to just keep us in the minds <laughs> whatever but um this second one is like if you're observing things that are happening upon arriving to a norm or not. So what I'm, what I'm understanding from this question is like, if you've established something of a baseline where you, when you're trying to evaluate, do I believe in a God or do I not? As you, as you start to form a hypothesis and you have like a really, a really uh, strange piece of data that doesn't correlate to the rest of the set, like does are you asking, is it worth stopping to examine? Or does that, do you just automatically throw out all of the other data because you have something that disproves the theory? And I mean, it depends on how you're setting up the experiment, doesn't it? I mean, if there's something that is uh, ver demonstrably provable, if you have one thing that disproves the theory like you're done if you if you're trying to answer something that seems more difficult like 
we don't know yet if there is an answerable question an answerable solution to this question so you're just amassing more data on a case-by-case -case basis i don't think anybody's really tried to establish is there a way to unify data sets of uh is there a god that is somehow objective outside of the system that we all experience i mean i don't know but there's um you know this this asking does an exception um or outlier negate the entire pattern well if you ask like what is the normal pattern of my life it seems like most of the stuff that happens is pretty boring normal activity there's nothing really that special or supernatural about my life um but i've kind of lived my life um trusting from a certain perspective that if i follow the wisdom that has been shared with me um that it will make my life better and it seems to be from my observable from my observable perspective that the more i try to follow this particular philosophy with more and more integrity and more consistency the weirder and more unexplainable things seem to happen in my life and it it's not that it's so wildly disproportionate that it can be a, like written down as a provable miracle but it's it's so uh, meaningful and significant to me that it's it's worth being notable and remembering um i'll give you i'll give you an example like the um the other day um i was my my daughters had a shared birthday party they just um my oldest turned four my youngest is about to turn two so we had a party for them i woke up just in a really really crummy mood that like uh did everything i could like i'm trying to go to sleep on time I'm trying to um you know get rest exercise eat well um, i've been vegetarian most of my life eat really good um but for whatever reason like sometimes i just have these days where i'm like in a really tough place and I feel like I'm doing all of the uh, all of the things right from a um, from a health perspective from a like a um, there's a lot of things that I'm trying to trying to align in my life so I, sh I should be doing better right but I'm feeling awful in these moments where it's like Oh, we're having a party it should be really exciting it should be fun it's time with family and um so it just it was this weird moment where i'm like i feel like i need something outside of myself to to pull me out of whatever this thing is because i i just no matter how much i tell myself okay this is just a feeling. This is just the circumstance of where you're at. You just got to keep moving forward and wait till it passes. Like it doesn't change whatever is going on and happening. Um, so I, I got, my wife asked me to run back home from the park to go get some stuff she forgot. So I was on my way home and I'm, I'm just kind of processing, like, I want to be able to enjoy this time with my family. 
Um, I want to be a dad that's present for my daughters. And I'm just miserable. <laughs> I'm, it's like, there's no reason I should feel like this. Um, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help to like guilt yourself or beat yourself up over, over like the circumstances of what's happening. Um, but I, I, I just read a lot. Um, I read a lot about like mental processes. I just read soundtracks by John A. Cuff. Um, a lot about the stories we tell ourselves, and even knowing a lot about how we think, it still doesn't change how you feel in the moment. It doesn't like make it magically go away. And for me, what's interesting is as I'm as I'm having this morning uh, where I'm in a really tough place, I kind of my desire, my energy is like, I, I wish I could have some encouragement, some help from outside myself. Like that was the, you know, if you want to use religious um, language, it's like I was praying to God say, saying like, I feel like I've done everything that I know how to do. Uh, this is sort of outside of my ability to control how I feel. And like, if you're gonna, just going to go by like nature or the universe or data, it's like, who cares? So what? You woke up, you had a hormonal imbalance or whatever. Nobody gives a shit. Just get up and move. You're an adult. The story that I grew up with was that there is something that cares about you, even on a personal, individual level. So I have this idea like I... I'm in a place that is horrible. I wish I had help. Um, and I like I'm leaving. I'm leaving the parking lot to go to the park, and it's Sunday. But I had this. I had this feeling, like this, um, just this urge to check the mail on my way to the park. And it was like a gut feeling. It was like I don't know why, but I'm like I just feel like I need to stop and check the mail. So I stopped and I got a letter in the mail and um, I don't have the envelope, but it was a, it was a mailer from a ministry that I've done work for. Um, I'm on my way to my girl's birthday party and on the front of the envelope, it says, happy birthday. Like I'm going to this, uh, this party and it's like, it's a happy birthday um on the envelope i open it up and it's it's saying that the the ministry it's been around for like 73 years um and so it, it's like it's not personal it's not to me but the guy that works for this ministry who now runs it is a close friend of mine um so even though it wasn't like addressed to me uh as like a personal friendship thing it was sort of like having a friend reach out uh, what's what's really interesting, what's really weird is like just this, uh, the like the day before, a couple days before, I we I had just done a, a shoot with a guy talking about his experience with God. Um, he his name is Nick Vojacek. He's a motivational speaker. He has no arms, no legs. Just um, really really interesting guy that has overcome a lot of things, and he feels like in his life. He has seen something work in his life that he feels he calls God. And um, it was really interesting. Like, I just met this guy. 
and on the paper, like um, on this little mailer thing, there, in the very last corner, there's a little a little thumbnail of the guy that I just met. So it's like two people that have meant something to me in brief moments, in a moment where I'm feeling really, really depressed. Um, I had something in the world kind of reach out to me and just kind of ground me, reconnect me back to, okay, your feelings are different from the objective reality, which is here, which is there are people who you are connected to, who you are a part of, who care about you, who you've had interact with, who you've had influence with, like just all of these things that um, if somebody were to communicate like, like I'm doing, it takes, you know, five minutes to convey all of this information. And what I needed that was just a little thing to jolt me out of my, my own little state of depression was like some visual imagery that was exactly the right kind of thing connected to things that I knew. Um, you couldn't really plan that, that mail being there. Uh, you couldn't pl plan just the right kind of combination of things. And for me, it's like, what do you do with moments of significance like that, where it may not mean that much to anybody else, but it means something to you, where it's very deeply personal. And I think that starts to kind of scratch the surface of the idea of this, this something that can relate to you on even an individual personalized granular level. Yeah, uh, I think that's, <clears throat> it's a, it's a, those types of experience, uh, I think, do very little on the broad sense of like proving God, but when you experience them, they're so personal, and they're so impactful, that it's like, um, it, it can't be conveyed to other people, but it can instill some kind of belief in you, whatever that whatever that is expressed as and how you talk about it or, or how you think about it as like um evidence of some force beyond us you know and i think when when you have those experiences it's very hard to uh it's very hard to like deny that we're just floating around here um on a little statistically unlikely planet you know um and i like those kinds of experiences they're not common for everybody but when they happen there they feel very meaningful thanks for sharing that oh stephanie are you talking i can't hear you uh can you hear us too or i can hear you maybe our internet's cursed. Oh no. It's the the mystical Wi-Fi that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> Maybe her earphones died. Um, but yeah, uh I think those stories like that are are um they're 
important, I think, for everyone's internal experience, which I think to the point of what we were talking about earlier of like the value of life and, and how we can like, you know, logically or objectively prove that everybody's life has some value. I think that because we all have that internal and personal experience, it's like, um, why should we deny any other person their internal experience um, just because we can? You know, it's something that's only accessible to the individual level. Stephanie, maybe you could try talking. <laughs> no, we still can't hear trying. you. Uh, no! no! I, I see it now. Um, here, uh, Stephanie, if you want to come over here, you can use my headphones to say what oh, you're going to say. We'll get you on the on the single cam. We can do a switcheroo. <laughs> While she's coming over, we'll see what people are saying. Um, ben said, if life objective reality existed before us, then maybe there are laws, realities, and norms that govern existence that we have to now discover for ourselves. This is what being a parent means. Um, yeah, it's true. Parents do exist long before their children, even though their children can't prove it. Um, let's see. Okay, well, anyway, can you guys hear me now? Oh, yeah, go for oh, it. Cool. Okay, yeah. So, I guess, yeah, well, first of all, yeah, I appreciate the story, Aaron, and I feel like, I feel like the message that I got from it is that you really needed validation for, like, your experience, and your perception of the truth left you out of it, and I guess to me, it's like your feelings are just as factual and objective and true as the social expectation is so it's like that's data too so I guess to, like my perspective is like there's reality somewhere that justifies your feelings and we just don't know what it is yet I guess that's my like type of faith versus like a god faith is like there's it's like there's a reason why you feel the feelings that you do and it does make sense that like extrovertedness and kind of something from the outside coming in helps with that but yeah i feel like it's just like you're valid just as you are i guess like even if it doesn't make sense yeah i i really like that like um there's the whole trope um in online argumentative culture of like facts don't care about your feelings but then on the flip side of that like your feelings are facts yes you know? thank you yeah <laughs> yeah people don't think feelings are facts and it's like they're they are facts they're messages and it's like if we can't read the messages then they do it over and over and over so yeah. it's like even if we are like exercising eating well but then let's say we're in an abusive relationship and we're like oh what's wrong and that's the problem or something and that's an obvious example, but it's like, there's so much going on with our psyches that are just so complex that it's just like, what could we, we can't even fathom the stuff we need sometimes just because of all the patterns and like things, like how complex personalities are. Yeah, and how many different um, it, inputs, information inputs any one person has going about their life, you know? It's like, it's too much to collate just by observing it, you know, in a day or in a moment of feeling bad or something. Awesome. Um, I guess we have more questions, but 
I, we lost we lost one of our members and it's already <laughs> 8 15 so if anybody has anything um pressing that you want to wrap up with you can um otherwise i'll say to the audience thank you for being here thanks for everybody that contributed to the conversation um if you're listening to this back on youtube or facebook or on the podcast platform we appreciate it, and we hope that you will uh, put your input somehow, whether it's through coming to one of the streams or emailing me or however that can happen. Um, but these have been really fun for me, and I appreciate you guys coming and, and participating because I, I think it creates not only a sense of moving forward in my own thinking, or uh, but it also creates a sense of like camaraderie and community, even if we don't always agree about every detail, I do think it is a way for people, uh, at least for me, to connect with other people in a way that it feels like something meaningful. So I appreciate all of you guys, and I will see you next week. Okay, cool. They're waving. For everyone listening, they're waving. So bye. <laughs>